First Class Fatherhood. That is where Alec Lace comes in with his popular podcast. And one of the most interesting was on a podcast. Alec Lace interviews high-profile fathers from actors to NFL players with a vision to change the narrative of fatherhood and family life. Welcome, everybody, to episode 709 of First Class Fatherhood. I am happy, as always, to be here with you guys, and I've got a great episode for you guys today. It really highlights the bond between a father and their child, in particular, a father and his daughter. Benjamin Hall joins me on First Class Fatherhood today. Uh, Benjamin Hall is a British journalist who served as a State Department correspondent for Fox News Channel for a number of years. He is a veteran war reporter. And once the the Russian-Ukraine war kicked off, he volunteered to go and cover the war. And during the early stages of this war, uh, the vehicle he was in, the crew that he was with, got hit with a Russian strike, blown up. Uh, Several people that he was with all died. He barely made it out of this thing alive. And he credits the entire thing to a vision that he had of his eldest daughter. His story is incredible. I've seen Ben Hall tell this story on quite a few different outlets during interviews as he was making his recovery process. Uh, His story really is perfect for first-class fatherhood because nothing, nothing matters more than your family. And when you're in these situations where all of a sudden all these things we're worried about in our life, our mortgage, our car payments, uh, all of these other social status issues go right out the window when it really comes down to it. And family is the only thing that truly matters. Benjamin Hall wrote an instant number one New York Times bestselling book about this entire experience. It's titled Saved, A War Reporter's Mission to Make It Home. I encourage you guys to pick up a copy of the book. The link will be down there in the show notes today. Benjamin Hall is going to be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. All right, today's interview with Benjamin Hall was recorded on video and is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. So you want to watch today's conversation, please subscribe to First Class Fatherhood on YouTube. Link is in the description of today's podcast episode. And as I mentioned, Benjamin Hall is a Fox News correspondent. Uh, I've had many other Fox News dads on the podcast here. Go through the archives. You'll see them all, including Sean Hannity, Jesse Waters, uh, Pete Hegseth, Will Kane, so many others. Go check them out. And I've been telling you guys about a new show that I started exclusively on Rumble. It's the new uh, video player that's competing with YouTube. It's becoming very popular. I started a show over there called The Alec Lay Show to really cover a lot of the topics, the issues, politics, news that are affecting parents uh, in our everyday lives here, things that are so crucial. So if you're interested in a more political, a more newsworthy conversation, I invite you to come over to Rumble, follow me over there. Uh, Again, it's called The Alec Lay Show. It's easy to find. It's just Google First Class Fatherhood. When you're in Rumble, it's under my First Class Fatherhood tab. And I'm actually having my first guest on The Alec Lay Show tomorrow, and it is someone from Fox News. Judge Janine Pirro is going to join me on the Alec Lay Show exclusively on Rumble. So if you guys aren't following me over there, please, I I really would love for you guys to show some support. Again, if you're interested in these political, I know it's a political atmosphere is absolutely bananas in our country. But if you are interested, the link is down there in the show notes as well today from my Rumble channel. Please get over there and check it out. All right, and don't forget about the MyPillow deal. Go over to MyPillow.com, use the promo code FATHERHOOD. You can save up to 66% on your order. 
And follow me on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace for all the upcoming guest announcements. And as always, please help me spread the word about this podcast. Every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list and let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life. You guys know it. Father's Day is every day right here on the podcast. And here comes my interview straight up with Benjamin Hall on First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now, First Class Father, Benjamin Hall. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Alec, what a pleasure to be with you today. It's an honor to have you here. Let's start it like this. Uh, how many kids do you have? How old are they? Well, I've got three young daughters. They're three, five, and seven. Uh, and I, I know that you got your girl on the fourth. I wonder if we might get our boy on the fourth. We'll find out. Yeah, we, 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 were, we were praying for a girl. We got a girl. If not, we would have definitely went for that fifth one to try one more. But uh, we, we got her, and, and that was the she definitely completed the family for us. So um, I wish you luck on that endeavor there. But uh, I, I'll tell you, I, I love being a girl dad, having her. I couldn't imagine my life without her now. So she definitely completes our family. Yeah, no, for me as well. Um, and to be honest, if I got another girl now, I'm so in love with the first three. So be it. Bring on another one. Um, yeah. At least you feel like you got your finger on the pulse of what you're doing over there, too, you know? So uh, you've had the girls before. I hope so. I hope so. (laughs) Well, if you could, uh, Ben, please just take a second here to hit my listeners about your background and what you do. Uh, Well, I'm the State Department correspondent for Fox News. Um, Last year, I was uh, in Ukraine covering the war, and my team was attacked by Russian artillery. Um, Of the five people in the car, I was the only one to survive. I was badly injured. I lost... uh, uh, a leg, a foot, shrapnel across the eye and, and the body, a badly burnt. And um, so the last year and a half has really been about getting over that. It's been about recovering. It's about coming back to my family. It's about, um, in many ways, really understanding what life is about in a way that I didn't before. Uh, and I think it's important to talk about what happened that day when we were attacked, which was when the first shell hit nearby and we were quickly trying to get out of the car and get out. The second shell hit and I blacked out and I got um, a shrapnel in my face and in my, in my neck. And I was totally blacked out. And I know I was very close to death at that point. And I saw my daughter. I saw my eldest daughter came to me in the middle of nowhere. And there she was in front of me, a girl, my, my daughter called Honor, And she just said to me, Daddy, you've got to get out of the car. You've got to get out of the car. And I came to my eyes opened and Without thinking, listening to her words, I reached for the door, I got out of the car, um, and then the next second, the last shell hit the car itself. And so I know that I was saved by my family that day. They gave me that extra strength to get out of the car. They brought me back. Whether God sent uh, them to me to, to find that strength, I'm not sure, but they saved me. They got me out of the car, and I was sitting there very badly injured, bleeding badly. My cameraman was next to me. He passed away a few minutes later, but all I could think of was how am I getting home to my family? How am I getting home to my children? No matter what it takes, I am crawling home. And I started to crawl at some point. It was 40 minutes before we were found, uh, very badly injured and a lot of pain at that point. And um, one thing, one strength kept me going and that was my family and getting home. And that's what got me through the recovery as well. Every single day while I learned to walk, while I was healed up, family, family, family. And uh, that's why it's been such a pleasure to have been asked to be on your podcast, because everyone asks about the attack and what happened. But for me, what I take out of this, the last year and a half, it's about family and realizing just how important they are. 
Very well said. And yeah, I've heard you tell the story. I know you've been do- making the rounds. You've been telling this quite a bit. And obviously you documented in the book, Save the War Reporter's Mission to Make It Home. But it, that's the truth. And, and you know, we, we I think we get so caught up in life and we worry about all these things. We worry about our bills. We worry about our jobs and the house payment, the car payment. We We stress about so many things in life that when really when it comes down to it, like in that moment, you weren't thinking about the car payment when when the bombs were going off. You, you, you when you were trying to you were trapped in the car, you didn't think about the mortgage payment. What you thought about was the only thing that truly matters in that moment. And that is your family. And it's uh, and, and to be honest with you, even thinking, I think becoming a dad really, you know, it focuses. It puts a lot of the highlight on your own mortality, for one. And for me, I think the fear of death or, or the thought about death, what bothers me about it the most is the thought that my daughter won't have me in her life. And, I, and that's what drives me crazy about it. Not so much that I would die and not be here. It's the fact that she would be in this world alone. My sons would be in this world alone. And, and I don't want to see that happen until I know that they're set, they're on their way and they're ready to go. So it's like it's about um, hopefully getting them to that point. Uh, where I could feel like, you know, uh, a little bit more confident about my own life journey. Yeah. And, and my wife and I talk about that occasionally. And we think, you know, we can't think of anything worse than having to tell them that I had gone, uh, that, that their lives have changed, you know, in, in so many ways. And, you know, despite the injuries I've had and the things I can't do with my children now, I'm still here. I can teach them the same lessons. I'm able to continue guiding them and teaching them what the real world is like and what hard work is like. And, if anything, I hope I can teach them more resilience than before and show them that, that no matter what you go through, there is a life out there and there are things worth fighting for. So that's what I do every day. And you, know, you mentioned that balance. And that's something I was going to mention as well. The 180 that I've done in my life from beforehand, when I was like, I've been a hands on dad my, my whole life. And I you know, was there every second I could. But jo- I, the job was important, you know, house payments, car payments. We were moving uh, to D.C. We were we were finding new jobs. We didn't really want to move them from their school. We, But we knew we had to. And I was saying to the family, we've got to go. This is good for their future. It's great for my career. Let's all move. And after this happened, those worries disappeared. And I said, let's first and foremost, we will think about what's best for them, where they will be best, where they will be educated best. And then the job will fall into place. Where else? And everything else will fall into place however we want it to happen. And 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 I feel that in a totally different way. And I feel in many ways, I feel like a better father. And I feel like a weight has been lifted where I'm not just so consumed with getting to the top of my career, doing everything I could if it meant missing those important family, you know, moments. And I did miss a fair amount of them. I was a foreign correspondent for many years and the phone rings. I'm on the next plane out and that can be for a month. It can be for six weeks. And you don't know when that's happening. And didn't matter if it was a birthday or Christmas or whatever it was. I was on that plane. I was telling that story. That was my job. And I wouldn't do that nowadays. And I would think more carefully about balancing it out. But both are important. And children need to understand what hard work is. But number one, I want them to see that I'm working. I want them to learn what hard work is. You don't get anywhere in life unless you work bloody hard, unless you have a goal and you go for it. You have to balance it with your family. And if you ignore your family, they're going to suffer as a result. Um, so look, life is about balance. It's about finding how you work them together. You instill these great morals in them. You encourage them. Um, but you've got to be there with them every step of the way. Yeah. And and you're right. It's so much easier said than done because when you are, uh, when you have a passion and you have a drive towards something, uh, and you balance that with family life. And it's why I have so much respect for the men and women of, of the armed forces, the military, 
uh, especially, you know, the ones that are parents. I mean, it, it, when they have to do these things and their life is on the line, no matter what it is that they're going to do every day and they don't know if they're coming home, uh, that, that's a very difficult spot to be in for a parent. And and so I think sometimes we take we take so much of what we have for granted. And it's till we're in a situation like you were where all of a sudden you realize, oh, my God, this, this could be over. And I know that you, your your friends didn't make it back. I had uh, Lucas Tomlinson on the show about a week after that had happened um, to you guys. And it was uh, fresh. It was it was so heartbreaking to hear what, what was going on. And that was like at the beginning of the whole Ukraine conflict and stuff. Have have you been in touch? I know. <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, Sasha and Pierre, are you still in touch with their families? And what is that like? Yeah, I mean, I speak to Sasha's. Uh, I speak to Pierre's widow uh, quite often. And, you know, that is one of the harder things that I ever have to do. And, um, you know, she lost when we didn't and she will never get Pierre back. And it reminds me every day of how lucky I am. And and it gives me that extra motivation to do more. You know, I've still got it. I'm still here. I've got to make sure that I do everything I can. Sasha's family, um, very hard as well. You know, she was 23 years old and, uh, it's very, very difficult for them. It still is difficult for them. I think, you know, they understood that she was she was fighting in her own way to protect Ukraine. And she was out there helping to keep the Russians back by helping the journalists. And so I think they feel that to some degree she, you know, she passed away while while she was helping her country uh, in, in that battle. But I totally feel uh, what, you know, what you said about um, people who serve. And, and I think it's an interesting one as well, because I think service is so important and doing what is right for your country as well as your family. That's why it's so difficult for people in the military to balance that. Like there is no better service than the service you can give to your your country and to your brothers and everything else. And so finding that balance is really, really tricky. And I think that you've got stages in life, you know, and I think that, you know, I wasn't a father till I was 30, I want to say 32, 32, 33. And, you know, I really felt that for the 10 years before that, I worked every single day doing whatever I wanted, going wherever I wanted, working bloody hard. And I loved it. And I kind of felt that I did it the right way in a sense. You know, I kind of I couldn't have had that life with children because I was going to every war zone I could find. I was on the front lines of all of them. I was often with our military around the, the world as well. Um, and then I had children. And then I had to make this really interesting decision. <laughs> what do I do? Do I keep going to the war zones or do I stay at home and be a more responsible father? And I didn't stop going to the war zones. I, I ended up back in Ukraine where I was attacked, but it was a really difficult decision for me. Do I keep doing a job that I think is really important, that I think is really essential, but put myself at risk? Or do I give it up? And, um, you know, it was back and forth with my wife. We talked about every trip I was I was doing. And even with Ukraine, she said, are you sure you should be going into Kiev? You know, it's dangerous. Haven't we discussed this now? I said, one more. I said, one more. More, I said. Um, but it's a difficult, difficult balance that you have to that you have to weigh up when you're when you're in, in the military or if you're covering conflicts. What has it been like with your daughters now? What has there been reaction to your injuries, to your recovery process? Uh, what, what has been kind of their response? Uh, are there friends that do they have responses to this? What has been like kind of the family dynamic, their response to this whole injury and recovery? Yeah, I mean, it was the most important thing for us straight away. The, the, the first decision was whether or not they would come and join me. I was uh, San Antonio, the Brook Army Medical Center, and I was there for six months. Incredible facility where they have treated so many of the injured out of Afghanistan and Iraq. And it's one center where they do polytrauma, all these kinds of injuries from the, the, the eyesight to the traumatic brain injuries, to the burns in one place. But the decision was, do I uplift my family and have them move to be with me or not? Some people who had gone through, you know, other military families said, you have to go. It's going to be for your best interest if they are alongside you. 
And the other half said, do not go. It is going to be the worst thing for children to sit by your bed when you can't even move and you're so badly injured and they're going to have to see that. So we heard it from both different opinions and we had to think about it. We decided the best thing would be for my children who are young at that point, two, four and six years old. They didn't need to come and see me with no skin on. They didn't come and need to see me so badly injured. And we said, well, I'll talk to them every day, but it will be my directive to to walk further every day, to heal faster every day so I can get home. So if anyway, I think we did, we know we did it the right way. It gave me more motivation to come home. But that was the first decision, whether or not they should come and see me. The second decision was telling them about losing my legs, my one leg and my, my other foot and you know all the other injuries. And we were really worried for a while. We didn't know how to tell them. We thought it would shock them. We thought they would be worried about it. And then fi- finally, we told them about dad's robot legs. We thought it was the coolest thing they'd ever heard. And all this worry just disappeared because I was so concerned about it. Um, and then I was worried again when I finally came home. I'd spoken to other people, other veterans and people in the military who said they went home and their children took one look at them and were afraid of them. They saw the prosthetic legs and you know, they, it, it would pass after time. But that relationship was, was really different. Um, so that was a real worry when I finally got back home and I walked in the door and it was that one moment where I looked at them and I wanted to know how they would respond. And they all ran and hugged on as best as they could. And they never, they were never afraid of it in any sense. And I was lucky because they were young enough not to be afraid. When the children are a bit older, and I've heard when they are teenage years, you know, 12, 13, older, then they have a much sort of firmer idea of who their father was. And then they feel a lot more afterwards when they see that he has changed. So I came home and that was always difficult to introduce them to my, my new self, my injuries. But also, we didn't want to hide it from them. We didn't want them to see too much. You know, it was going to be part of our lives. And you know, they would see me changing my bandages and my wounds. And I would bring them in and I would have to say, look, you know, dad looks very different in very parts of his body. And this is something that is, doesn't matter to us. I'm still here. My mind is still here. We can still be together. Things will be different. Um, I can't run with you right now. I, I can't lift you up, but, you know, we're together. And I think it's taught them really valuable lessons. It really has. It's showed them how to care for other people in a single way. It showed them how to help, and perhaps in ways they didn't understand before. And um, I really think that they have become stronger because of it. It is interesting you mentioned their friends as well. And at school, you know, a lot of people ask them about my legs. I turn up to pick them up now, and everyone wants to know about it. And... Um, so far, it's been good. They've had nothing but positive reactions. Kids at that age want to ask. You know, a lot of adults don't want to talk about it. But every single kid in the playground comes up to me and goes, what are those? How did you get those? Tell me about those. So I always sit down with all of them and I talk through all of them about it. I say, look, difficult things happen in life, but you pull yourself up and you keep going. There is always light at the end of the tunnel. It doesn't matter what you're going through. And I think if anything, I've been given this ability to talk to some people and encourage them and inspire them. And I, I like to think I've done it to some of my kids' friends as well. So look, I look back at this. There are many things that I can't do with my kids and that bothers me in the days. There are many more things that I can do with them. And that's what I focus on. And, um, you know, I, I think I am a better father now than I was before. Yeah, I, I love that mindset. And, and I did ask because I know how kids, they get so inquisitive, especially at that certain age. And I remember them, you know, being, you know, in a supermarket and seeing somebody maybe with uh, without an arm or something. And I think, oh, no, you know, because I know it's going to come right out. They'd be like, hey, where's your arm? You know, like they 
They don't have a filter on them with some of that stuff. But it's great that you have that response to them. And so much of this stuff, just like your story, is so inspiring. I, I've interviewed so many guys, uh, you know, that have gone through a process, whether it be, <clears throat> excuse me, somebody like Travis Mills who lost, he lost both legs, both arms. Uh, even on Fox, Johnny Joey Jones has, has you know has lost his legs. Do, do you? Um, has that inspired you? Have you been able to get inspired by other people that have had amputees, um, whether they lost their leg, their arm? Have, are you in a community? Are, are there people that are around you that support you in, in, in this process? Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the hardest things, you know, when you're going through this are the unknowns. And when you are recovering, there are, you know, it happens every few weeks. You come across something that you haven't done before. You don't know what to do. And the only people to talk to and ask are people who have gone through something similar. No one really understands some of the difficulties that, that you go through. And that was the incredible thing at Brook Army Medical Center is the day I was surrounded by other people who had gone through just this. And every single day, I was just asking questions to all of them. What do I do? How do I do this? You know, how do I put pants on? You know, whatever it is, like a whole variety of things. And they are always there. And um, Look, I think you have to be in a brotherhood and you've got to be in a brotherhood that can tell jokes about it, can laugh about it. A few other people can do that, you know, and I think between ourselves, we, we can do. So, no, I like that a lot. I saw um, I saw Triple J, uh, what, a couple months ago, we were joking about, you know, we had half a foot between us and um, we, uh, you, you've got to keep that up. So, no, it's a great, it's a great um group of people it really is because they pushed through and look it's worth saying that some like myself have, have come out of this really well and uh, you know we found extra strength and we pushed through but there are others who don't and i think it's really our duty to look out for those people as well and to help them get through it because look i say particularly when if you're in the some people who are in the military and who have a job which is so physical and you take that away from them it's very hard for them to find what they will do next you know that that can be difficult you know, I worked in a job with my career where I was I was a journalist and I could keep writing and keep working. So I never felt that something that I loved doing was taken away. But that does happen to some people. You know, they feel that they've lost a lot. And I think that that's who we've got to talk about. And that's who we've got to think of. So I spend, you know, some days every week reaching out to people and just checking in on them. People I know aren't doing so well. How are you doing? What's going up? What can we do next? You know, and um, that's something that I think we will always have to keep doing. And again, I think it will keep doing through your book too. saved a, a war reporter's mission to make it home. Obviously, the book, you know, uh, took off like wildfire. And I've seen you do, like I said, so many different interviews in promotion of the book. But uh, it, it has it seems like it's gotten a really, really big feedback, great feedback. And what has it been like for you to have to kind of I mean, you live this. Now you tell the story. It may seem like as you tell it so many times that uh, the emotional connection isn't as strong as it is. But has it helped being able to write the book, being able to talk about the story so much and being able to get it? Has that process helped you in the healing at all? Yeah, absolutely. The, writing the book was the healing itself, because the thing about being in a hospital is that you're lying there day in, day out. You know, I couldn't move for the first couple of months. And um, I'm someone who needs to move. I'm, I'm someone who works, who has to do things. And I, I knew even two days after this happened, three days after the attack happened, and I had just made it to Landstuhl, the, um, you know, the hospital, the US hospital in Germany. And uh, immediately I realized I've got to start recording this. I've got to start writing things down. I've got to start doing videos. And um, that was the point that I started doing it. And as I sat in hospital every day from then, I was writing ideas down. I was thinking about how I felt. And look, you've got to come to terms with a totally new world and balance that up with your old world. And so that's what the book was about. And I wasn't planning on writing a book at first. I just wanted to get the ideas down. And then someone said, look, got to be a book. You've got to put this together. And I've enjoyed it. 
telling the stories, you're, you're spot on because look, the first few times you sometimes tell the story, it's really emotional. And then when I was on the book tour, you're doing it for two weeks straight and you're telling the story five times a day. And I don't want to tell a story unless I'm feeling it. And when you're just sort of repeating what happened, then I feel you lose some of the, some, some of the, the, you know, the, the, the real feelings behind it. So two weeks of the book tour was, to be honest, probably enough. We got to number one on the New York Times and I kind of felt great. Like I can stop talking about it for a while, uh, think about it more. And so today speaking to you is the first interview. And it suddenly speaking to you, and I was thinking before this, I was thinking, is this just going to be another interview where I sit there and I just like tell the story again? And it hasn't. Enough time has passed. I feel really emotional about it. And I feel could have really touched to it. So I don't think that will ever go away. I, I, I feel it really strongly. But when you have to tell it time and time and time again within on the same day, occasionally it does. But yeah, that's uh, the, the nicest thing is that it inspires people. So I don't mind telling the story because... I get messages every day on social media from people who said, I've just read your book or I've just listened to a podcast that you're on and I'm going through something difficult. That can be an injury. That could be like a family you know, issue. And they just say, I read your book and it gave me real inspiration and it gave me a desire to pick myself up and keep going. And if that's what it does, then I want to keep talking forever because if it can help other people, then that's great. So no, I'm happy to do it as long as it helps other people. Um, and you know, it's part of my life. So you've got to live with it. And, and I know, like you say, telling the story, but I know when I heard it the first time, I forget which interview it was that I heard it, but when you were talking about uh, hearing your daughter's voice, get out of the car, it was, I, I really connected with you in that spot. And I said, man, this is a perfect story for the first class fatherhood because this is what it's all about. And I think our, our whole, especially in the United States, our entire uh, country is just engulfed in this political uh, race uh, we're so divided in so many ways. And it's like when we really turn this, um, the, all this nonsense and tune down all of this noise, we're all so much more alike than we are different. All we are, just as family men, we just want our kids to be happy. We want them to be healthy. We want them to succeed. We don't want to see them hurt. We don't want to see them suffer. We don't want to see them in pain. We don't want to see the, the, them fail in life. And it's, I think we all want the same things, but we're so busy being just pulled apart by all these different forces in our lives. And it's terrible. And I think that if if we could just get back to focusing on family, which is the only thing at the end of the day that truly matters, I think so much of our troubles would really start to go away. Absolutely. And, you know, I would have said that, look, we are all united in one common thing, and that is absolute family. You know, you've got parents and you've got children. But and I want to veer into the political here, but the stories you hear about ident people struggling with identity that is a that's actually attacking family i always thought well everyone could just go back to family because that's something we all share and we can all unite but i get really worried now that some people are trying to interfere in what identity is or what education is or what they're teaching my children you know the very few things that i thought could never be touched like that's the strongest thing is what we do we work hard we stick strong as a family you know and um and, and I'm worried now that some of those things are suddenly being um, slowly you know, epping away. But um, that's why I think it's so important to talk openly about how important it is and why it's the only thing that we can keep uh, keep fighting for. So, no, family is a number one. It always must be. And I do think that underneath all the politics, just helping people is something that we can all share. And I learned that through this. It wasn't what happened to me that that I remember most. It was the people who came to help me, you know. Dozens of people, hundreds of people, all the doctors, the nurses, the physios, the soldiers who came to get me, you know, 
those people put their own lives on hold to come and rescue and save me and put me back together. And I feel that so strongly that that's something else that could unite all of us underneath politics, help each other, teach your children to help other people. You know, it makes for a stronger society, a stronger community. And if we can do that, if we can all do that, I know that we can put aside some of the, you know, the nonsense that we keep talking about on politics, but um, that's got to lead us. That's got to be the number one thing. And, and you're right. Now, on the political front, there is a, a very big Marxist agenda that's been ripping the nuclear family apart. There's no doubt about that. That, that. that has been going on for a long time and almost mission accomplished here. You see it going on all over the country that fathers are no longer in the home. The family nuclear family has been broken down. And that didn't happen by accident. That all happened by design. And once you remove the family from the society and then you take God out of it, the whole thing falls apart. You don't need to fire a shot to destroy America. We're seeing it happen because of those two things, the father being removed and the heavenly father taken out of society. Those two things are crippling our country. And it's the reason why I'm such a big advocate for fatherhood. And just when you hear all these guys that have accomplished so much in their life, talk about the things that truly only matter to them. I pray to God, it'll inspire these younger men, younger dads, younger generation to say, Hey, you know what? Look, I thought this guy was great because he won a Super Bowl MVP, but listen to him talk about being a dad. Boy, that's really something. And I, I pray that that will inspire them to do that. Yeah, and I think that's what parenting is also about now. I don't think you can just assume that um, their children are going to go out of there and, and learn these nuclear family values themselves. We have to be really involved in it. We've really got to be careful with where they see things, you know, the, the online, social media. Like, Unfortunately, now we have to be extra vigilant about what's out there and what they're learning. And we've got to prevent them learning, you know, all of the, the negative stuff that's now coming out. And so that's why I think parenting is perhaps more important now than it ever has been. There are so many more distractions in life than there were before that children can disappear down that we need to be really focused on that. And so uh, we have a really important role to play. And look, I also think that my wife, um, you know, I have to talk about my wife all the time. I've gone off and worked. She has run our, our, our family and she's taking care of the kids. And for me, that's and for both of us, that's been a really important part of our relationship. That's what I wanted in a marriage. I wanted someone who was there all the time to look at the children, make sure they were fine. And um, yeah, we've got a very t- typical traditional family like that. And I wouldn't have it any other way. But um, you know, even that is is very different and changing in, in the world today. But for us, that's something that we felt was important. And it's... Um, it's looked down upon, to be honest, because my wife did the same thing, stayed home with the kids while I was working, hustling different jobs. And it gets looked down upon. For some reason, it's like uh, we, we look at we call it stay at home moms. Uh, and it's like that's all that you do. And it's before that was just being a mom. You know, that was what we considered it. It wasn't like, oh, that's all you do. That's the most important thing they, that, that, that they can do, uh, that, that yeah. we can do as parents is, is, is raise our children. So I don't know how that all got. You know, it's it's it, for it, she got it from her side, from her friends. I would hear it from my friends on work. Oh, what your wife just stays home? It's like it's unbelievable how warped the thinking has got towards it. And we are again in a position where so many families have to have both the father and the mother working full time. No one's home with the kids. The state is raising the kids, or the or the daycare is raising the kids, and uh, that's created more problems as well in the country. Yeah, and look, I mean, there are real economic, you know questions that have to be asked i mean look it's difficult to sometimes provide for 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 three young children but i honestly think that look there sometimes it requires a bit of change where you live you have to sometimes adapt to find that perfect family value and if it means sacrificing one thing to get that then that's something that i certainly would do but look i am um, sometimes i see my wife now that i'm at home or while i'm recovering um i see what she does all day with three children i think goodness <laughs> yeah that's you get a whole new respect that's a lot harder than I thought it was. So she's doing it all day. But um, 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, your, fir- your first Father's Day, I would imagine you were still in the thick of, of the recovery process and the whole thing. Uh, and now you got Father's Day where you are home and you're and you're and you're with the girls again. So what was your first Father's Day kind of like? What was that like the, after the um, after the uh, attack? And what is your plans for this Father's Day? Goodness. Uh, you've put me on the spot. Um, I think it's just um, always we make sure that we do something together as a family. And that can be, you know, usually I'll get some breakfast in the morning. They might, might you know cook some eggs or something for me and um, uh, get some balloons. They always write cards to me. I try to instill, they always sit down and write something, you know, whether it's, um, you know, how they're feeling that day or what they're doing, or they'll always write a card for me. And then we'll go somewhere together, just a time to be together. Um, That's about it. Uh, We don't, we don't do gifts for Father's Day. Um, But um, I mean, yeah, looking forward to the next one, looking forward to all of them, I suppose. You know, you know what I get? I get it. And I'm holding one right now. This Pilot G2 pen is my favorite pen on the market. I always get a ton of these for Father's Day and it keeps me for the whole year. So that's usually my uh, my, my yeah. gift that I get. I, I I love these things. I go through them like like hotcakes. So uh, what what is the plan that's next for you here? I know you're back to work. What, what, what kind of what are you working on? Any projects right now? Goals? What's coming up for you? Yeah, quite a few at the moment. Um, you know, at the moment I'm still having operations, so I have to balance it between operations. You know, so I had a, an eye operation a few days ago, and I'm not supposed to move too much for a couple of weeks. And then um, I've got a foot operation. They're going to cut off some more of my foot. So, you know, I can work for about a, a month, and then I have to go back and be in hospital for about a month. So that's still going on for the next, probably the next year. But what I really wanted to do, and I've been talking to um, to, to Fox about, is... Um, a series, a series on people who bring people together, who bring communities together. I've spent my whole career talking about war, conflict, geopolitics. Um, and actually what I'm so inspired to do is tell incredible stories. Um, and, you know, you, you look around some of the big news stories across the U.S. and you look at small communities and there are sometimes these incredible leaders who go out and they pull the, the, the community together. I want to go tell those stories, uplifting stories, stories of people who bring people together again, rather than stories of people who are, you know, who, who take things apart. So that's one of the things I want to focus on at the moment. A series of interviews as well. Um, podcast, write another book. I've got a children's book that I want to write, which I'm writing with my children at the moment. So um Lots of things. Look, I went through something really difficult, but the way I see life is if there are things open up windows of opportunity and I've got a number of things that I can do at the moment I couldn't have done before. And I want to do all of them and I want to do them with my kids and I want to take the advantage when you've got it. And so keep working. Uh, There's nothing worse than not working or not doing anything. So I want to find that, find that balance and embrace it and, uh, hopefully try and tell some really positive stories rather than some of the negative stories that I've spent my whole career generally focusing on. Yeah. Again, I, I love the mindset. Please keep that. It, it's so needed in our, in our world right now. And, and I know you say you get the messages from people who you've inspired through your book, but there's no telling how many people there actually are that are out there that aren't reaching out that you really touched and have inspired by your story. So keep telling it, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, and the last thing I want to hit you with here, I love to ask all the dads I get on the podcast, what kind of advice do you have? for that brand new dad or for that about to be father who's out there listening? Well, I mean, I remember when the, my first son was born and we didn't know what to do. And uh, it, every single minute was about figuring out, are we doing it the right way? Like, are they supposed to be that way up? Like, what do we do? And then of course, by the time the third one came along, we were like, ah, she's, she's fine. <laughs> like, they roll around normally. So don't worry about it too much. Enjoy it. You know, I see some parents who get really worried with the first, first children, but 
look, I think if they work hard, give them their own little bit of space, don't pamper them too much, let them learn things their own way. They will, their children, they're more sturdy than you think they are. Um, keep them outside, you know, get them out all the time. Don't put them in front of TVs. Um, uh, so a combination of freedom, hard work, and uh, trying to find something that they love doing and encouraging that, you know, whether it's uh, dancing for one of us or singing for another. I always try to encourage them to find something they love doing, and hopefully that leads to something they love doing in life, you know. So a bit of freedom, a bit of hard work, and uh, stay close to your family. Try and enjoy it as much as you can. And you know what? It does get tricky. It gets tricky for all of us. Take a deep breath. Take a step back. Just realize that nothing good happens without hard work and going through difficult times. And that's fine. It's no problem if things are hard. You know it'll be better the next day. You fall off your horse. You pick yourself up. You keep doing it and you enjoy every little bit as you find it. You know, there's beauty to be found even in the hardest things. And I've found that myself. And I think parents can discover that, can discover that too. Yeah, very well said. I love the message. Saved a war reporter's mission to make it home. New York Times bestselling book. Link is in the description of today's podcast episode. Benjamin Hall, it's been an honor to have you on the show. Thank you for giving me a few minutes of your time here on First Class Fatherhood. What a pleasure to meet you, Alec. A real pleasure. Speak to you later. You have been listening to First Class Fatherhood. Please visit www.firstclassfatherhood.com to find out more details. You can order First Class Fatherhood advice and wisdom from high-profile dads on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Proverbs 22.6 tells us, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will never depart from it. God bless, and I'll catch you next time.